Well, let's want to take as our question this evening, does my life have purpose? If we go way back to 2003, uh, the MTV Music Awards show, Johnny Cash uh, was there. His video of a song that he had recorded called Hurt had been nominated for an award. But the showing of the video, although Cash didn't win the award, the showing of the video caused this almost palpable discomfort in the crowd. Uh, the video to the song features haunting images of... Um, Johnny Cash in the 60s, in his youthful glory days, uh, complete with pictures of his friends and colleagues and his wife at the height of his fame. They're now dead. And as the camera pans over Cash's wizened, wrinkled face, he sings to, to the, the, the repeated note that he's just playing on a piano like a clock beating and ticking. He sings of the vanity of fame and he says, What have I become, my sweetest friend? Everyone I know goes away in the end. Then he looks at the camera and he says, You could have it all, my empire of dirt. It is discomforting. He said in an interview uh, to MTV News, he said, It's all fleeting. As, flame is, as, as fame is fleeting, so are all the trappings of fame fleeting. The money, the clothes, the furniture. And the earnestness of cash. The, the look on his face. The somber nature of the video reminded people that he had tasted everything that pop culture had to offer and found in them meaninglessness. His creviced face, his blurred eyes reminded them of what many celebrities try to hide behind plastic surgery. Death comes to us all. What's the point? of being successful as a pop star, as a musician, or a sports star, or a writer, or an actor or an actress. What's the point? What's the purpose to life? But Johnny Cash had found an alternative to the vanity of shifting celebrity and the accumulated goods and the applause of the crowd and the trappings of success. He had found a better empire or kingdom to belong to that gave him meaning and purpose. And so as he sang those words, Johnny Cash was like a modern day Solomon. Both had lived the life of celebrity. Both had enjoyed all that life has to offer and they'd seen through it. And both sat down to, to write or to sing their experiences as a warning for the rest of us. And that's what Solomon does in this amazing book of Ecclesiastes, 3,000 years old and yet so incredibly modern or even postmodern. Is there any purpose? Is there 
truth? Is there meaning to life? Does my life have purpose? And there's three things that I want us to note as we look at this this evening. And as we think about answers for ourselves or answers for the people that we talk to. And the first thing that Solomon so surprisingly and so bluntly says to us is, life does seem pointless. People say to us, what's the point? What's the point? And Solomon doesn't deny it. Solomon starts with this thunderous and depressing meaninglessness. Meaninglessness. Everything is meaningless. Oh dear. And you're going to have to bear with me this evening as Solomon explores this because he does want us to see that we're not kidding ourselves. We're not in a place of, uh, you know, discouragement or depression when we grasp that life seems pointless. It's actually a moment of clear insight. I remember talking to a mother and daughter and the, the daughter was on the, the, the brink of despair and she felt that life was pointless and the, and the, because her relationship had broken down and the mother was saying little trite phrases like, well, you know, someday else will come along and, and things will t- take a turn for the better. And I said to them, but how do you know? How do you know? It may not. And actually, your daughter may be seeing life more clearly than you are. It seems a strange way to try and counsel somebody, but that's what Solomon does to us here because he's going to go somewhere. But look at what he says. and it's, He asks the question in verse 3, What do people gain from all their labor at which they toil under the sun? And that word gain is an accounting word. He's tallying up his life and he's saying, Here's what I've done and here's what I've achieved and here's what it's cost me. What's the profit? What was the point? What was the purpose? What have I gained? And he's given us his answer. says it's pointless. Pointless. In verse 4 he reminds us of the tragedy of death. And I had this uh, written this section of the sermon before I went away on holidays. And uh, I was quoting these words here. And you'll see why I'm telling you this in a moment. Look at verse 4. Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and to the returns to the north. Round and round it goes. And life seems to just relentlessly grind on. And then on our holidays we finished watching uh, a series I've been watching on Amazon Prime called This Is Us. In the very last episode of the series, uh, the mother figure in the series uh, dies and her adopted son Randall, after the funeral, is sitting on the, st- the step of the porch of the house and he said this to his daughters, I was up all night writing a eulogy and I can't remember a single thing that I said. A depressing notion for a depressing day, it all just feels so pointless. 
I spent my entire childhood worrying about losing her. I spent the past decade abjectly terrified of it. And now she's gone. And yet, the birds chirp on. I notice that I'm hungry. Five minutes ago, I thought about work. Tomorrow, I'll shower. It just all feels so pointless. You see, it's, a, it's, it's almost Solomon in verse 4, isn't it? Generations come and go, but the earth remains forever. The sun, it goes on with its thing, and the rivers are doing their thing, and the wind is doing its thing, and life seems so pointless. Despite all the toil, one day you will have changed nothing. And you will die. I heard a clip once on uh, the News Talk science program, Future Proof. I think I mentioned it recently. Uh, and they were talking about what mark would be left by mankind on the planet if we could fast forward uh, past the, you know, the, the supposed extinction of mankind. What would be left? What mark would we have left? And the scientist that he was interviewing said basically nothing. All the years, the thousands of years of mankind's civilization, we would perhaps leave the tiniest layer of petrochemicals. That does your ego good, doesn't it? And yet, 3,000 years ago, Solomon's saying this. So this question that we have, this feeling that we've got, that life seems to be without purpose, is actually, at one level, a right intuition. It's a right intuition. Uh, and Solomon goes on in these verses, and we'll not take time to explore them. He tells us that man is fleeting. He's like a footprint in the sand. The generations come and the generations go. Ah, but what about our work? What about our work? That'll leave my mark. And he, he pictures it like the sun going round and round and the rivers doing the same and the wind doing the same. And what's that like? Isn't it like you go and you cut your grass and you turn your back and you go back again. You come back from holidays and needs cut again and the mother washes the dishes and she turns her back and there's stuff in the sink or in the laundry basket again. And it just, where's the evidence that you did anything on any given day? It's, it's gone. And the house that was built has had to be demolished. And mankind's work is fleeting. It's got all the, the vigor of a guy on an exercise bicycle, pedaling like mad and, and going nowhere. And mankind's innovations are fleeting. He asks this brilliant question. What has been will be again. Is there anything of which you can say, look, there is something new? Remember the guy who invented the Tilly lamp? No. Some of you are going, what's a tilly lamp? Um, or the guy that invented the fiddle for sowing corn. No. Or the, the guy that invented the ram for pumping water uphill to houses that were above. The, no, you don't remember him. Or the guy that invented the Betamax video player. Some of you are going, what's a video? Um, uh, the guy that invented the valve radio. We don't remember them. Show me something that, that is new, that's remembered. Show me, well, you think, ah, but there's stuff that's new. But what's it doing? It's doing the same stuff we always did, it's just doing it quicker. It's not really new. 
Oh, we've got mobile phones. Well, they're just the same as phones that we had before, except we can move about with them more. And phones, they weren't new because they just allowed you to communicate with somebody further away, which a letter could have done, or a telegram. And a telegram did what a letter could have done. And let, you know, it was just the same stuff with faster, greater distances. It's, it's not actually new. Man's best achievements are fleeting. And man's remembrance is fleeting. Verse 11, there is no remembrance of the men of old. My, one of my favorite TV programs as a kid, Record Breakers. And there they were, lifting the greatest weights and, and uh, spinning the greatest number of plates and eating the, the hottest chilies to get into the Guinness Book of World Records. And there's nothing more depressing than going into a charity shop and seeing the Guinness Book of World Records from 1986 or 96. I think, look at all that. There's a collection of stuff that nobody remembers that has all been superseded. What a pointless success that was. We are footprints at the water's edge, dissolving as time rolls over us. Well, that's depressing. Solomon isn't finished yet. That brings us to our second point. Life does seem pointless. So our instinct, and our, whenever people express that, they are having a moment of clarity. The second thing Solomon tells us is don't seek for purpose in created things. Or we might put it this way, we look for purpose in all the wrong things. Solomon goes in a great experiment. You see it in, his, in the headings that are in the Bible here. Wisdom is meaningless. Pleasures are meaningless. Wisdom and folly are meaningless. Toil is meaningless. He goes on a grand experiment. He goes, aha. I shall find identity. I shall find purpose. I shall find meaning in education. I will be the most intelligent, the most learned I could be. And he sets out and he explores that and he finds actually that brings him only grief. The more he finds, the more he needs to know, the more he finds there is to know. And then he goes on and he tries pleasure. And his description of pleasure is like a description of Letterkenny Main Street on a Saturday night outside the clubs. Solomon surrounds himself with comedians that make him laugh. He enjoys alcohol, planting vineyards so he has a ready supply of the stuff. He then goes for bands and music of all descriptions. And then we read that is as much sex as he wanted. He has a harem and he denies himself no pleasures. And we're told elsewhere in Scripture that he had 700 wives and 300 mistresses. He tries pleasure in every shape and form he can find. And what does he say? Well, that didn't work. That was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. And then he tries property. And then he tries work. And he tries business. And he tries farming. And he gathers so much money that First Kings 10 tells us that silver was like, it was like pebbles. It was so common. And whatever there was to do, this guy did it. Whether education or pleasure or work, he sought to make his name for it. And you see, people... People in our world look and they think, well, I'll make my name at something. And maybe they don't have the time or the skill or the, the money 
to be able to reach the top. Well, Solomon had the time and Solomon had the money and Solomon had the skill. And he's made it to the top and he says, there's nothing at the top. And we need to hear that to save us from wasting our one life. We are right to feel that life is pointless. Well, where do we look for purpose then? Where can we make a name for ourselves or make some dent in time? Solomon says, don't go this way about it because I've tried it and it didn't work. Chapter 2, verse 11. When I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. I gave some of these examples before uh, the famous author of half a generation ago, Jack Higgins. Again, that tells you something because some of you don't know who he is. Um, I think one of his films, no, it wasn't on yesterday. Um, different author. Um, uh, but Jack Higgins, uh, his thriller novel sold 150 million copies in 60 different languages. And in an interview, he was asked what he wished he had known earlier in life. He said, I wish I had known that when you get to the top, there is nothing there. That's the way fame works. Jim Carrey, the actor and comedian, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see it's not the answer. Robbie Williams uh, said that fame, the singer, pop star singer, should said fame should come with a health warning. He said extreme fame was like an illness. It's something that isolates you and makes you feel weird. I was reading a book by um, the first uh, British uh, person to swim what's known as the Ocean Seven, the seven uh, channel swims in the world. And he completed it. And he said, in some way, among the happiness of achieving my goal, there was also a little sadness. It seemed crazy. Why on earth would I feel like that? For so long I had dreamt about this moment. And I had completed the swims. Perhaps it was the realisation that my epic battle to achieve this dream was over and I had to go back to normal life. Or perhaps I was worried that it was the end of long-distance swimming for me, something that had dominated my life and filled a void that I had struggled for many years to fill. He was afraid that having sought to fill the void, this isn't it. This isn't it. Irish rower Paul O'Donovan said in a moment of sanity, uh, and he actually speaks an awful lot of sense a lot of the time, he doesn't get carried away with his success. He said, really, there's a ceiling on how happy you can be winning medals. It's not success. Ryan Giggs, the Manchester United footballer, I had a feeling of worthlessness. One of the greatest footballers of his generation I, ha I have to admit that I never really enjoyed the games. There was too much at stake. Johnny Wilkinson, 
won the World Cup uh, with England in back in 2003 in rugby. I had to be. I, it, I had already begun to feel the elation slipping away from me during the lap of honour around the field. I couldn't believe that all the effort was losing its worth so soon. This was something I had fantasised about achieving since I was a child. In my head I had reached the peak of the mountain and I, all that was left was to slowly descend the other side. I had just achieved my greatest ambition and it felt a bit empty. What would Solomon say? It's a chasing after the wind. And Solomon is not pushing us to despair because he is a cynical pessimist. He's pushing us to this conclusion because he cares. He cares. He doesn't want us to get our sense of purpose from relationships or pleasure or work or success or education. He's lived that life. And he's broken by the effects it's had on him. And he writes to warn us of the dangers of following the idle factory of the human heart. So does life have purpose? Well, the book doesn't end in chapter 2. Oh, it gets more depressing as you go on. But he comes, he sprinkles, he sprinkles patches of light throughout it where he's saying, but life with God is not pointless. And then he brings us to his majestic conclusion. And this is where we finish this evening. He tells us the third thing to see is that lasting purpose is found only in God. Lasting purpose does exist. Life is not pointless. There is hope. And this is the wonderful news we have for people. Did you notice there's a little return, repeating phrase in the early chapters? Under the sun. Life under the sun is meaningless. That's why I said in one sense, life is pointless. Under the sun. If we leave God out, if we take the advice of John Lennon in that detestable song, imagine, you know, no hell below us, above us only sky. Well, welcome to life, John Lennon. Here's Solomon. Here's Solomon summing up life under the sky. Meaningless meaningless, a chasing after the wind. That's all that you've got. But we don't live under the sun. We don't live us, live with above us only sky. And here's, here's what Solomon says. He says in verse, chapter 1 of verse 12, Remember your Creator. Remember your Creator. Now why is that the answer to anything? Doesn't seem an answer at all, but think of it. It tells us that there's someone or something bigger than this planet and bigger than your life and mine. If we have enough time and enough money, we will find that every created thing will disappoint us and fail us and chew us up and spit us out. If we don't get it, we will feel like we failed. If we do get it, we will feel like it failed. That's what Johnny Wilkinson, Robbie uh, Williams, uh, Johnny Cash, that's what they're all saying. We got it and it didn't satisfy. 
We need something that isn't a footprint in the sand. And there's a creator. Remember your creator. He's not a footprint in the sand. Don't remember the created stuff. Remember. Call to mind. There's a creator. It tells us that we have been made. Everything is made for a purpose. That gives us meaning and value and worth. I detest the theory of evolution that we got here without the creative genius and power of God. It doesn't stack up scientifically or mathematically. Here's an article from the London Review of Books from this weekend. The writer is writing about hummingbirds. I'll just give you this little quote. She says, not a Christian, she says, There is nothing I admire more than evolution, but it's difficult more, with any, more than with any other living thing to imagine hummingbirds beginning as archaebacteria among primordial murk, painstakingly working over millions of years to grow bright wings, it's more than difficult to do that. They seem as if they were made in an instant. A spark of genius from an extravagant God. We've been made. There is a creator. And that gives everything purpose and meaning and value and worth. Evolution tells you that you're an accident, a piece of scum floating on the surface of some primordial soup that will one day evolve into you and then you will decay into dust to float on the surface of a puddle again. Great. Remember your creator. There's an artist who crafted you. There's an author who writes your story. Don't forget. It tells us that there can be hope found in this beautiful and yet broken planet. There is one greater than our pain, greater than our brokenness. Only a creator would be big enough to have power to unravel the sorrows and the brokenness and make something of our lives. Remember, that means you can know him. It tells us why we were here. Why do I exist? Because I'm made to know the creator. That's why Solomon says, remember him. He's not saying call to mind a fact. He's saying, remember him. You know him. We were made to know him and enjoy him. That's our purpose. That's our purpose. And man and woman have forgotten him. I wonder if we've exchanged the creator for created things and found that they crashed down around us. But we know the God who made us. It gives purpose to our pain. It gives meaning to our days. And it gives hope for our future. And you might say, aye, but Mark, that's maybe just a pipe dream. How do we know it's true? Well, what if the creator stepped into creation like the author stepping into his story? What if C.S. Lewis himself stepped into Narnia and said uh, to Lucy and, and Peter and Edmund in the midst of the story, said to him, don't worry, trust 
me. I'm the creator of the story. It will work out for good. Your lives are not pointless and meaningless. Oh, it would change everything. Well, our creator stepped into the story 2,000 years ago and walked on the pages of his book. And he demonstrated that he was the creator. He created wine where there was only water. He created bread where there was little bread. He created calm where there was chaos. He created life where there was death. And we would say that he created joy where there was sadness, hope where there was despair, forgiveness where there was guilt. He created acceptance where there was shame. He created love where there was fear. That's what our Creator did. Remember Him. Every created thing will enslave you and crush you and disappoint, even people. But the Creator, not only has He made you, but He would die for you to rescue you from despair and darkness and sin and judgment and hopelessness and meaninglessness. And that's where true purpose and meaning and significance are found. Solomon is telling us, pleading with us. He says, don't make work or pleasure or success or knowledge or happiness your chief aim. If we do, we'll get meaninglessness. That's why life seems pointless to many. They're like somebody sitting in a car for hours and hours on end in their driveway, sitting, this is odd, I'm not going anywhere. You haven't turned it on. You're not using the car for what it is. We're meant to know God. He's the engine that drives life and gives us purpose. And we make God our goal. It's then that we find actually He gives wisdom and knowledge and joy. And He gives us purpose. We were made to do more than simply exist. We were made to know the Creator. Whenever we push God off the throne, we may get short-term pleasure, but we lose our sense of purpose. When we put God in His rightful place on His throne, then we will find that no matter what life throws at us, we will see a meaning and a purpose and a help and a hope for all of it. And that will give us a deep contentment, even amidst the trials, because nothing with him is pointless. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, we thank you for the brutal reality of Solomon's writing and thinking. Thank you for how he shows us that life under the sun is a footprint at the edge of the seashore. But thank you that he shows us that if we remember our Creator and give our Creator his rightful place in our lives, the Creator who would come to rescue us, that our, our, our lives are not a footprint in sand, but they are, are engraven as names on the Creator's hands because he cares for us. And everything has meaning and purpose. And so, Father, we pr I pray for everyone here. And I pray for 
I pray for people that we know and meet who feel that life is pointless, that we would help them to see that under the sun, if we leave God out of the equation, it, it does, it can only ever seem pointless. And we can't find point in the stuff of life. But when we look to the one who made us, we'll start to find meaning and purpose and help and strength and point, purpose in it all. Father, help us as we live and speak in this world that thinks that above us there's only sky and thinks that we are all accidents. Help us to show them that no, there's something richer than that. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.